Welcome to Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Each week, Brian will present a Christ-centered teaching to increase your passion for the Godhead. It is our hope that this podcast will be a burning lamp that leads you on a path to encounter God's unquenchable love for you. And now our host, Brian Francis Hume. Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this podcast. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to hear your word. And Father, I thank you that you're calling each person today to begin to walk in a greater dimension of their calling before you. Father, I ask that your grace be extended to every listener of this podcast, that they may step into a fuller expression of what you have in your heart for them. And I thank you, Father, for the grace to communicate your word with authority. And I thank you, Father, that there will be a divine stirring of the heart to know you and to obey the sound of your voice and to make you known. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Seated in TJ Maxx with a book in my hands as my wife deliriously shopped, I read a few chapters of The Circle Maker. It was the evening of March 1st, 2013. As my eyes buzzed through the opening of the third chapter, I came to a sentence that floored me. Best-selling author Mark Batterson wrote, One day, as I was dreaming about the church God wanted to establish on Capitol Hill, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do a prayer walk. I would often pace and pray in the spare bedroom in our house that doubled as a church office, but this prompting was different. I was reading through the book of Joshua at the time, and one of the promises jumped off the page and into my spirit. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. As I read that promise given to Joshua, I felt that God wanted me to stake claim to the land he had called us to and pray a perimeter all the way around Capitol Hill. I had a honey-like confidence that just as this promise had been transferred from Moses to Joshua, God would transfer the promise to me if I had enough faith to circle it. So one hot and humid August morning, I drew what would be my first prayer circle. It still ranks as the longest prayer walk I've ever done and the biggest prayer circle I've ever drawn. I was riveted on each sentence. This is good, I mused as I glanced up at a cart strolling by. My heart was certainly stirred as I read page by page. However, I was not prepared for what I was about to read. I continued sentence by sentence. Starting at the front door of our row house on Capitol Hill, I walked east on F Street. What? I gasped. Where did Mark start his prayer walk? Like a pendulum in a grandfather's clock, 
my eyes swung between these words, starting at F Street. I slowly repeated it a few times, like clockwork. My heart chimed with the tangible sense of the father's presence as I sat in TJ Maxx. I was acutely aware that this Kronos moment had shifted into a Kairos moment. In that moment, I was thrust back into a prophetic dream I had a few weeks prior on February the 7th, 2013. In this dream, as I'm sitting in the lobby of my high school, my friend John Hamill emerges. Our conversation revolves around a prophetic dream that I just finished writing on a promotional flyer. I point to the heading where I wrote in big, bold letters, Change DC. John is quite intrigued. Underneath the heading, I scribbled a few details of the dream. Meanwhile, John had changed into Mark Batterson, founding pastor of National Community Church located in Washington, D.C. As we converse about how God is going to change D.C., I point to a capitalized F scribbled at the bottom of the flyer, which stood all by itself. Almost apologetically, I tell Mark, I don't know D.C. at all, but perhaps... There's an F Street in D.C. where this change is going to start. The dream on the flyer felt weighty as I shared the details with Mark Batterson. Enraptured, I sat unaware of hustling shoppers. Meanwhile, I was intensely aware of the Lord's presence. My heart bowed in awe. What did all of this mean? Obviously, the book confirmed the weightiness of the dream. At first, I was intent on understanding the significance of where Mark started his prayer walk, F Street. At the time, I didn't know that there was even an F Street in D.C. Sitting in T.J. Maxx, contemplating the meaning of the moment, I felt like Mary as she, quote, treasured up all the things and pondered them in her heart, unquote. That was a verse from Luke chapter 2, verse 19. I think it is safe to make this assertion. Change DC started at F Street on a prayer walk of epic proportion. The perimeter that Mark Batterson secured decades ago through a prayer walk is now bustling with kingdom exploits through the likes of Matt Lockett with Justice House of Prayer and Bound for Life, Jason Hershey and the Tabernacle of David expression through David's Tent DC and the continued expansion of National Community Church among many other churches and ministries inside of Washington, D.C. Why was it important to learn about how Mark had circled in prayer around Capitol Hill? That question led to these questions as I contemplated this moment in light of Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised the Moses. The two questions that came to mind were these. How do we possess the promises of God just as Joshua possessed the promised land? And how do we seize the promises of God as we walk out our calling before the Lord? Change D.C., Begin with one changed heart, willing to obey him at all costs. 
as he trudged 4.7 miles around Capitol Hill on a hot, humid August morning. And key number one, a changed life possesses a heart to know him. The right question posed at the right time can provoke fresh hunger to know Christ. In spite of the challenges in life, I've caught glimpse of the beauty of Jesus that I hadn't encountered before. In such moments, I can only join the chorus of the heavenly creatures who utter from a deep place, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I yearn for the words scribed by Paul to be inscribed upon my heart as an unceasing prayer before him, quote, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, unquote. Years ago, I was asked a question as my wife and I were set to join the leadership team at a church. And this was the question, what makes you unique? I think the first thing that comes to mind is the passion within my heart to know Christ and make him known. Furthermore, the Lord has wired me prophetically. Whether I'm preaching, teaching, writing, praying, or even sleeping, it comes out. My heart yearns for each believer to hear God's voice in a real, tangible way. And I want my life to spur them towards a renewed journey to know Him intimately and to make Him known. Now, what should make each one of us unique from the world is the consuming passion to know Christ and to make Him known. That passion to know Christ is a gift from God. I want to read the verse I mentioned previously. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. This time, I want to read it from several translations. Allow the Holy Spirit to ignite your heart afresh with a deep longing to know Christ. This is from the ESV. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. The New King James. That I may know Him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The New Living Translation. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. And the Passion Translation. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Each one of us must understand that this passion to know Christ does not come from us. (laughs) It is the work of the Holy Spirit. You must ask for fresh hunger to know him. You must repent of allowing the appetites of this world to dampen your passion for Christ. There ought not to be any other passion that compares to your passion to know him. Right now, ask him to give you a fresh hunger to know Christ.
Receive it by faith as you steward that hunger as you seek him through the scriptures and in the place of prayer. As time ticks by, as you seek him, an uptick in holy passion will be evident in your life. Nothing, and may I say this again, nothing compares to knowing Christ. Nothing. Question for you. Is your heart hungry to know God? Do others see in you a deep passion to know Christ? Key number two. A changed life possesses an obedient heart. The following passage underlines the absolute necessity of obedience unto Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Many Christians love to prophesy, cast out demons, and see many wonders. However, who loves to obey God on his terms? Who loves to eradicate the idolatry of the heart where he commands us to obey him? To obey is better than sacrifice. I learned this firsthand decades ago. In my early years walking with Christ, the Lord gently dealt with specific idols in my life. One idol was sport cards. I collected sport cards during my childhood from 81 through 88. Somehow, I was reintroduced to sport cards through friends in my dorm while in college. I started collecting again from 93 through 95. However, the second time around was much different than my childhood. This time, it became somewhat addictive, buying cards as there were specific inserts that were rare and worth much more than other cards. It quickly became quite time-consuming, expensive, and unhealthy. The Lord convicted my heart. I was still a new believer, but yet I knew the deep work of conviction that the Holy Spirit brought. I knew I was to get rid of the collection. I tried to sell my cards. However, I barely put a dent in my collection, though I sold many of them to give the proceeds to charity. At the time, I even sold a mint Joe Montana rookie card, but I still had the majority of my collection. Years later, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me as I read the story of Saul. Saul didn't obey the Lord when instructed by the prophet Samuel to kill all the men, women, children, and livestock when fighting the Amalekites. I want to read 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 18 through 22. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, 
and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Saul spared the good stuff for what he perceived to be legitimate reasons. Obedience requires that we obey God on his terms. Sacrifice sets the stage for what we perceive as obedience on our terms. Are you obeying God on his terms or yours? And the scripture states, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Likewise, the Lord had instructed me years before to get rid of my entire sport card collection. But I waffled, reasoning that I could sell them off in order to give the proceeds to worthwhile charities. It had been roughly three years since I was told to get rid of my cards, yet I still had them. I was so convicted as I read through 1 Samuel chapter 15. The Holy Spirit gripped my heart. Obviously, it is hard to get rid of a large collection unless you sell it in its entirety. In that moment, though, I knew I had to respond to the Lord in obedience. I grabbed my collection, which included a ton of well-known cards of superstar athletes. I walked through the front door over to the dumpster, and I threw my boxes of cards over the top. That was it. And I felt something break off me in that moment as I walked away. It was the breakthrough that I needed to experience as I obeyed the Lord on his term. And to this day, I have no regrets. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. Question. Would you obey Jesus in all that he commands you to do? And have you obeyed God on his terms or only on your terms? And key number three, a changed life possesses a praying heart to make him known. A dear friend, Chris Nagai, a minister from Arizona, wrote the following in an online devotional that I read recently. Throughout history, God has moved in extraordinary ways in response to the hunger and desperation of his people. When men and women come to the point where they realize that unless God comes, there is no hope of anything changing, then they begin to get desperate for him. This is when revival begins. A man named John Prane Hyde was passionate about seeing revival in India in a hard place where no one was responding to God. He would spend entire nights in prayer crying out for God to move. This passion consumed him to the point where one day he began to pray, Oh God, give me souls or I die. His prayers of desperation began to move the heart of God. He began praying for one soul to be saved every day. And by the end of that year, over 400 had given their lives to Christ. The next year, he began to feel that one soul a day was not enough. So he began praying for two souls every day. At the end of that year, 800 had given their lives to Jesus. 
Yet so great was his hunger that even two souls a day wasn't enough. He began crying out for four souls to know Christ every single day. In fact, Praying Hyde was so moved by the heart of God that before he died, at the age of 47, his heart had literally, physically shifted to the other side of his body from weeping and crying out so intensely. What would happen if we begin to be moved by the heart of God like that? What would happen if we begin to pray desperate prayers for the salvation of our friends and our campuses? God is looking for those with a heart like John Hyde, who will become so desperate for God to move, they will weep and cry out until he breaks through. He is looking for those who will say, God, give me my campus or I die. Give me souls or I die. And who will be satisfied with nothing less? Question. Do you possess a heart that prays to make Christ known to the lost? Are you willing to pray with desperation for lost souls? Change in your family, community, church, and nation begins with a life transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is your moment to ask Him for fresh hunger to know Him grace to obey him on his terms, and a passion to pray for lost souls. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you have called us to know Christ intimately. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us, even in this very moment, to be baptized with fresh hunger. So we cry out, oh God, I want to know you above all else. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the sharing the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And we thank you for that fresh hunger to know him. And we thank you for the extended grace to obey you on your terms. And Father, we pray for the work of the Holy Spirit to cause desperation to swell within our hearts for lost souls. God, grant us authority in the place of intercession for lost souls, that they may know him, that they may know Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Join us each week as we pursue God's heart for passion, purity, and prayer.